anxiety. And actually, the sermon series was supposed to end two weeks ago, but I kept feeling the Lord continue to give me more messages on this subject. So what we're actually going to do is uh, Walking on Sunshine is actually going to end three weeks ago. So if you're enjoying this last three weeks, two weeks, the previous two weeks, and this week, uh, I'm going to Braden to make that available because I'm getting a lot of feedback about what people are getting out of the sermon. To God be the glory about that. Uh, there are norm, there's normal and there's abnormal anxiety. Both psychology and scriptures point out that it can be one or the either or both. It can be normal or abnormal. Psychologists have noted that people that have normal amount of anxiety are, can be more efficient whereby people that have excessive amounts of anxiety, it decreases their effectiveness and it hurts them. An example of that is knowing that I have to do a wedding or I got a wedding today at three. I can say, I don't want to study. I don't want to work on the sermon. I don't want to practice the, the stuff like that. Or a good or a normal anxiety could say, man, you're going to get in front of all these people. You better be ready. So it, it pushes you into action. So, so that's normal, but excessive is when you start freaking out and when you start getting scared and you can't function and it's messing up your life. So, so the, I want you to just think about that a little bit. Um, this is what we've learned about anxiety. I believe there are different types of anxiety. There's relational anxiety. There's sustaining life anxiety where you're just anxious about tomorrow and how are we going to sustain and the futuristic uh, on what may happen later. There's decision anxiety. There's sinful anxiety. When you're uh, into things that you know you shouldn't be, it causes an anxiety. There's decisional anxiety. There's psychological anxiety, emotional, situational. There's all different kinds of anxiety. Um, but, and some of the symptoms, anybody ever seen on the TV where they say, hey, you might consider taking this uh, product of ours, and then it goes, if you take this product, it may cause how many know what I'm talking about? How many have seen that? And you're like, I don't think I want that medicine. But symptoms of anxiety with that in mind, these are real, but it's, it's hyper alert, spidey senses, irritable, poor memory, loss of, easily distracted. You find yourself dwelling on things and you're not in the moment. You're indecisive, afraid to make a decision. What if I'm wrong? You're dependent, you're jumpy, it noises, worried about the burden that you may be upon people, so you think, I need to just disappear. You're overwhelmed with large clouds and large people. you impaired concentration, trouble-forming thoughts, completing, completing your sentences, <sighs> disconnected, find yourself dwelling, not present, complete shutdown, sleep, insomnia, everything you dream, fear, failing, can't finish, you wake up, beaten up and tired. Woo, that is tiring. That is so tiring. Woo. But we're not done yet. That is just the symptoms of anxiety. Here are the different ways. Let me take my breath a minute. You thought running on the treadmill was hard. Different ways you may experience anxiety. Excessive perspiration, muscle tension, like you're cold, so you need to go see a massage therapist. Headaches, abdominal pain, nausea, quivering, weak voice, or no voice at all. Tightness of chest and your all you bust your teeth you grind them down high blood pressure palpitations jumpy at every noise in every moment frequent urination and diarrhea impotence or fragility 
These are all true. Hyperventilation, shortness of breath, or large breaths, breaths like, if you have anxiety, you're like, <gasps> or when you yawn, <gasps> you, these are things, shaking, underlying, continual shivering and shaking. You notice it when you're brushing your teeth, you can't hold your toothbrush still, or you're pouring a cup of coffee, and you're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? Then you start having anxiety that you have anxiety. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's a real thing. It's a real thing. How do you know about all this stuff? Because I've experienced about 90% of them. About the only one I haven't experienced is the irritability. I, I, Car- Carmen says I irritate, just irritate the death out of her. But I really don't think I do. So um, I, I don't think I've ever been irritable. And uh, so anyway, because, <laughs> because anxiety is so complicated... I think the church, I think we need to take a holistic approach to everything. You know, we're body, soul, and spirit. Some like to say spirit, soul, and body. How many know we're made up of three persons, just like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of the Trinity? We're made up of three persons, spirit, soul, and body. So we need to be holistic in our approach to anxiety. We're always going to pray, but we may seek professional help from a doctor. We may seek advice. We may uh, go to a, somebody that helps us get some supplements or some vitamins, diet, or exercise. Under professional care, you may have a, a prescription of medicine. Or you may seek professional counseling. For me, I believe that you have to take a holistic approach to things. A holistic approach. But because we're in church, I'm not going to focus on some of those others. I'm going to focus on the spiritual. And even today, we're going to focus on the spiritual more than all the other times altogether. I want you to think about this. To me, there is a God part, and there's always a you part in most everything in the Word. You know, even with giving, when Justin was challenging us to give today, you know, sometimes people want to claim the, 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 they, they want to claim the blessings of God, but they, they don't want to do the requirements of God. A lot of time, but there's a God part and your you part for most everything. Even with prayer, it says, my people will humble themselves and if my come on be with me if my people will humble themselves and let's do it again i want to know you're with me if my people will humble themselves and then there's always a if and a then then i will hear from heaven i'll hear your land I'll, I'll take care of whatever the problem is so for me there's always a god part and a you part um an if and then I remember a few years back, the Lord came to me and he said, Brian, do you want to walk in the supernatural? I said, yes, Lord, I really do. I want to walk in the supernatural. And then God spoke something to me. In fact, he was doing it with salvation. He said, hey, Brian, people, when they get saved, it's supernatural. There's something I do with salvation that nobody else can do, but I want you to have a natural thing. I want you to have a good follow-up plan. How many know that there's, to be supernatural, there's a God part and a you part? Moses put his rod out over the sea and God answered with a little gentle breeze and split it. So I want you to think about that today. I'm going to end our talks today with anxiety with the part that only God can do. We've kind of mixed it in the last couple weeks. In fact, when I got this message, I was like, man, this is heavy, heavy theology how do I break it down? This is heavy theology. How can I break this down? Uh, but today, we're going to have some heavy theology. But the other morning, the reason I'm doing this is the other morning I was praying, and the Lord spoke to me in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. If you look at it on the screen with me, it says, He was wounded 
for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. We know that that wound and that bruise and that piercing happened on the cross. And when we think of redemption, we think of the cross, and we see it there. Uh, the chastisement for my peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. That's talking about physical healing and spiritual healing. But the stripes are the scourging that was done when he was tied up to the pole. So all of a sudden, something new hit me. And I realized that redemption happened. It was more than just the cross when Jesus began to redeem us. Because when we come to ask God to heal us, it's by his stripes. When he was on the scourging post and they whipped him and blood poured out of him, it's by his stripes that we are healed. So we're going to understand that a little bit more. To understand redemption, today we've entitled this sermon, Redemption of the Mind. To understand redemption of the mind, something that only God can do, we need to start with what is redemption to begin with. What is redemption? Re what is redemption? Well, without redemption, salvation through Jesus Christ, we are all lawful captives. I want you to look to your neighbor and say, I'm a lawful captive. Seriously, turn to, and then turn to the neighbor you don't like as well. And say, no, I'm just kidding. And say, I'm a lawful captive. What do you mean, lawful captive? What do you mean by that? Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 49, 24, it says, Shall the prey be taken from the mighty? Or the lawful captive delivered. There you see it. The lawful captive delivered. Notice lawful captive here. There's a reason that the devil has people in his power or in his hold. It's because he has legal authority to do that. From what Adam gave up in the garden, there's a legal, a lawful, a lawful captivity. The devil's not all-powerful at all, but he does capitalize. God's all-powerful, but he capitalizes on original sin, the noun sin, the fall of man, and he capitalizes on man's sins. Man's sins is our ability to keep the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, the 613 laws. So we see that because of sin, original sin, everybody knows about Adam and Eve, plus the sins that we break, the devil has a lawful captivity over you when you're not born again. Okay? So the sin, the devil has the legal right in your life. And sins are saying, we don't want God, we're going to do our own thing. Because of sin and sin, the devil has legal right people's life. Now notice I'm talking about the unbeliever, okay? So the question is, how can, how can the lawful captive be delivered? Lawful captive in the, in the Hebrew, where it says that lawful captive, it actually goes on to say, how can the righteous or the just be delivered? It, it even moves into how do believers get delivered from captivity? There's one thing to be born again, but there's another thing to be delivered you know, how uh, people that are in captivity, drugs, or bulimia, or anxiety, or depression, or guilt, or pornography, whatever the bondage, how can the lawful, how can the lawful captive be delivered? You say lawful captive. There's people of God being talked about here, and those who follow after God who have a heart for God, but yet sometimes they get lawfully captive. And that's why we have to thank God for Jesus, the Lamb of God, that came to take away the sins of the world and the sin of the world. Are you listening today? Are you listening today? 
that every legal right that Christ gave us has broken the legal right that the devil can have in our life by the blood. Okay? Hey, the enemy will take whatever ground you give him. Um, meekness, the Bible says. This is an, a powerful scripture. In meekness, in 2 Timothy 2.25, King James Version, it says, In meekness, instruct people that oppose themselves. Have you ever met anybody that cut themselves? Did self-mutilation? Or known anybody? You know, sometimes we are all practicing self-mutilation. Because we're, we're into things. You know, the Bible says in Nehemiah 8.10 or 10.8, it says when you break the hedge there, the serpent can bite you. There's like, a, there's like a, 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 a wall. That's why Nehemiah built a wall in Nehemiah chapter, chapter, we, chapter 4. We see he built a wall. But it's when we break the wall and we say, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm, I'm going to participate in what I want to participate. It is not that God is not with you because God said, I will never, never, ever leave you and I will never, never, ever forsake you. Even when it says that, even when it says that, that yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it says that I will fear no evil. Do you know, yea, when I walk, you know, there's time, everybody thinks that um, the person walking through the valley of death is a person that has chosen to walk. The person that has chosen to walk outside of the standards of the Lord. And when I pray the Lord's prayer and I think, yea, Lord, though I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, when I've walked away from the fold and I've said I want to do my thing, you are still with me. Your rod. I remember the Lord gave me a vision one time where a rod was under the arm and a sheep shepherd's hook. Where he was taking the rod under one arm and he was pushing the enemy and the wolves back. But yet he was pulling him in with a shepherd's thing at the same time. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. But it says, in meekness we instruct those that peradventure God will give them repentance upon truth. And that they may recover, look at this, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Look at this, who are taken by him at whose will? Is that your will? Is that God's will? Whose will are we talking about there? So unless you have a wall and unless you stay in the boundaries of the, you, you can get out there and, and, and sometimes our own backsliding can re reprove us. Sometimes our own decisions, our, our, our own choices is, is what we're suffering with. But even though when you're out there, I don't want you to know and think that you're alone out there because God's even with you there. But this in and out. So what is redemption? I want you to say this with me. I want you to say X. Say it again, X, you guys are going to be Greek scholars today. Say X, Agora, Zo. X, Azora, Agora, Zo. Again, X, Agora, Zo. Now let's put it together. X, Agora, Zo. X, Agora, Zo. That word X, Agora, Zo is the Greek word for redemption. If you were to go to Greece or the Holy Land, they still have marketplaces where they buy and sell. And if you were to go to their marketplaces where they're buying and selling, um, back in Jesus' day, if in our day, the tourists would say, now if you look on your right, we're going by the Agora. And the Agora is called the marketplace. 
So the marketplace is where they bought and sold things, okay? So you hear that word. That's the middle part. Okay, X means, when you unpack that, X means to purchase or buy out from the marketplace. So Agora, Zo, is the marketplace, and X is to purchase or buy out from the marketplace. So when you say, what is redemption? It's X Agora, Zo, and that means to by payment of a price to recover from the power of another. I want you to write that down. Ex agorazo is to, by payment of a price, write that down, by payment of a price to recover from the power of another. So how can the lawful be delivered? A price had to be paid. Redemption is a price had to be paid. Can you pay the price for sin? Can I pay the price for your sin? Yes or no? Because I have sin. Can you pay the price for my sin? Can uh, the disciples or the apostles pay for the price of our sins? Can Mother Mary pay for the price of our sins? Why? Because we've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. So the only person that could do that was Jesus. Was Jesus. He was born of a virgin. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. And the reason that's important is that took care of the noun, the original sin. And then he lived a life with no sins. He fulfilled every righteous requirement of the law. Everything. He fulfilled it. He did not sin. And, and he became Jesus, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. So he becomes the one who we in the marketplace, back in the old days at the marketplace, it was more than just buying and selling the food. They bought and sold people. It was human trafficking like, like we never knew. So Jesus came in when we were on the slave block of sin and we were in original sin and we had death because we couldn't do the righteous requirements of the Word of God. We were cursed. We were unable to help ourselves. He came and redeemed us with His precious blood. And that's what redemption is and that's what salvation is. Here's something I want to hit today. There's three examples of redemption. We're talking about anxiety. We're talking about anxiety. We're talking about redemption of the mind. And the Lord said, Brian, you can, you can try all these different things, and there is a holistic approach. But never forget there are some things that only God can do. The first place of redemption of the mind happened in the garden. Even before they arrested him, even before they beat him, the Bible says that he sweat blood in the garden. The Bible says in being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat, everybody say sweat, his sweat was like great drops of blood falling to the ground. So the first area that we were redeemed from is sweat. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, what happened is the curse for their sin is God said from the, everybody say sweat. From the sweat of your brow, you will now toil and you will now labor. And the bread from the ground that you eat, it will come from your labor and it will come from your effort and it will come from the sweat of your brow. And so the when I say that Jesus has redeemed our mind, 
the blood of Jesus at the cross is what paid for my transgressions and for my sins. The blood of Jesus at the scourging pole is what paid when they stripped him and beat him and his blood shed. Brothers and sisters, it's more than just blood shed at the cross. It started in the garden. And your mind can re-redeem from the curse that was brought on by man's original sin and the sweat of your labor. Jesus. God spoke this to me on the way to church. He said, Jesus. You know, we always say Jesus has became, became my sin. He took my sin. Jesus became sin so that I might be righteous. But let me tell you about redemption of the mind. Jesus became stress to the point that he sweat great drops of blood. And they fell and they dropped to the what? To the ground, which was what? It's not cursed anymore. Woo! Thank God. It is no longer from the sweat of your brow that you make a way for yourself. That you have to toil and that you have to labor and you have to be wigged out and you have to be irritable and you have to have all the symptoms and all the things of anxiety because Jesus shed his blood in the garden. He sweat great drops of blood and it redeemed us in our mind and it also redeemed the ground. Sorry, but I'm excited about this. This is new for me. How many love it that you can read the Bible forever and you keep getting more? I had never saw this. I never saw this till last week. Never saw it till last week. If you're going to preach something, you better have more than one scripture. Don't just pull one scripture and make a doctrine out of it. Number two. Number two. They took and they made a crown of thorns and what they do they pressed it on his head blood came out again the crown was pressed on his what Adam from your brow you will sweat and you will be cursed Jesus broke part of the curse that was broke off your life was even the crown of thorns when the crown of thorns were shoved in Jesus' head, that blood was a redemption from another to take you out of the power of Satan's hold on you. You know what thorns and thistles always represent in the Bible? What do thorns and thistles represent in the Bible? The cares of this life. Thorns and thistles always represent the cares of this world, the cares of this life. Did you know thorns are actually a leaf? Did you know it, it, thorns are only in arid places where there's no water? And the thorns like suck out every bit of water and they keep getting tighter and tighter and tighter so they can use the least water. You put them in the right environment, it probably wouldn't be a thorn. It would be different. Instead of a thorn, most thorns are actually flowers. So what's that telling us? When the cares of this life come in and they make us anxious and they make us fearful and they make us dread and they make us fail and they make us where our minds get bombarded with panic and failure and anxiety and fear and condemnation and guilt and all this stuff. I'm here to declare unto you 
that Jesus' blood has broken that curse and you don't have to live like that. Number two. Number three. Number three. Number three. Jesus died on a hill called what? Called what? Are you saying Golgotha? Okay, they already told you the secret. Guess what Golgotha means? The place of the skull. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you that the battleground is the mind. Everything starts in the mind. When, when, when I got saved, I just didn't, oh, I'm saved. It started because people came and told me things. They witnessed to me. They spoke words to me. They explained scripture to me. It hit my psyche. It hit my intellect. Even in, in the book of, uh, it's either Acts 11 or Acts 14, one of those places, it says that I'm going to send Peter and you unto you and your family, and he shall tell you words so that you and your house can be saved. Anything that happens begins with words. If you need to be healed, it starts with words about how Jesus heals. If you need peace, you need, we start with words of the Bible. It, it starts with words. And then after words, what happens is you assent to that. In other words, you say, hey, um, well, here's a good one. It says uh, in 1 John 4, 16, it says, we have known and believed that God is love. Um, God is love. He that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is your love made perfect that you will have boldness on the day of judgment because as he is, so am I. Do you know as Jesus is, so are you. So, so even with love, it starts in the intellect and it starts with a psyche where you're like, I know God believe, I know God loves and I know God is love, but then you mix faith with that or you assent to it and you get to where you say, and God loves me. That's why I love, um, I love John. John had, a, John had a revelation of the love of God. In fact, um, John was called the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know, five times, are you kidding me, Pastor Brian? Yeah, five times in the Bible. I thought, I thought God was no respecter of persons. He liked everybody the same. Five times in the Bible, it says, and John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. I'm like, didn't he love the other ones? You know, I thought that's pretty wild because I'm like, five times it was John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Well, then I realized that all five times it's written, it's written by John. <laughs> and I thought, what's up with you, John? You bad boy. What's up with you, John? You think you're better? And the Lord's like, no, he had a revelation of the love of God. And he knew. It wasn't I know, but he believed. So, brothers and sisters, there is a ground that has to be conquered. It's the ground of your mind. It's where everything starts. It's where word starts. That's where you mix faith with the word. 
That's why we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart for salvation. But it's that conception that everything comes from. So wouldn't it be advantageous of Satan or our enemy to try to keep our minds? How are the unlawful captive by you letting him? By you letting him? Because you are an unlawful captive to the devil in your mind. You don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to have fear anymore. You don't have to have guilt. You don't have to have shame. Your jaw doesn't have to wake. You don't have to have insomnia. You, 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 you don't have to be so scared where you're insecure. Your body doesn't have to shake. You don't have to have uh, perspiration. You don't have to have all that. Jesus, by his blood, redeemed us from stress so that we can rest. He redeemed us from stress. He became stress so that I can rest. He became stress. Lord gave me that one on the way to church. He became stress so I can rest. His crown of thorns takes all those other things away. And Golgotha, the place of the skull, he stuck a cross in that ground and he yelled out, What? What did he yell out? What were his last words? It is finished. I, I, I didn't plan this, but I feel the Holy Spirit say this right now. I want you to close your eyes. If you deal with anxiety and depression and fear and guilts and shames and all that, I want you to say, because of the blood of Jesus. Say that. Because of the blood of Jesus. Say, it is finished. Ex agorizo means by payment of a price to recover from the power of another. Devil, you're holding my mind captive unlawfully. Right now, I break your hold over people in the name of Jesus. The Lord told me to take authority. There's certain things. There's a you part, and then there's a God part. Today, we're taking 100% the God part. The God part. Right now, seriously, I, I feel this right now. This is going to be different. But if you're attacked in your mind, come forward. I want to touch your head. Right now, if you're attacked in your mind, come forward. If you're attacked in your mind, come forward and just walk through here.